This week we're talking about traveling light and cheap with Brent and Brian from Latitude, and you're listening to the Landscape Photography Podcast. As always, thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. This week I'm talking with a couple of buddies of mine. This is Brent Bergherm and Brian McGuckin from the Latitude Podcast. I'm friends with both of these guys, and you should definitely check out their podcast called Latitude over on the Improved Photography Podcast Network. Uh, it's a, all about travel photography, which these two guys know a thing or two about. Before we get started this week, I do want to let you know that I have released Essential Photoshop for Landscape Photography. This is a new tutorial series that I've just launched, and it's geared towards those that have been putting off learning Photoshop because they're intimidated and they edit in Lightroom because it's what they know and what they're familiar with. So if that sounds like you, these videos might be for you. It's five hours of content spread over 19 videos and 17 chapters. I put a bunch of work into these videos and I think that they turned out really good. So if you're interested in that, you can always find all of my tutorials over at nickpagephotography.com. All right, let's jump into it. Let's sit back, relax, and jump over to the conversation I had with Brent and Brian about traveling light and traveling on the cheap. So one of the things that I love so much about landscape photography is it's this excuse to travel. And I thought, who better to talk to about travel and traveling for photography than Brent and Brian from the Latitude Podcast. Thanks for coming on, guys. Hey, Nick. Good to be on. Thanks for having us. It's like old friends here because I don't know if people know this, but Brian and I, we've traveled together a bunch and we used to be podcast buddies. And then Brent, he's like my local camera guy. Absolutely. Every time I need to rent a lens, I go to Brent Rents Lenses. It's cool to talk to you guys. Yeah, thanks. Reunited and it feels so good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Brian's got that smooth baritone going on. <laughs> <laughs> so in this episode, we want to talk about tips for traveling. And, you know, one of the first things that always comes up when you're talking about traveling and something that's kind of always changing is going through airports with camera gear. Uh, Brian, I know that you fly a lot, probably even more than I do, especially in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, what kinds of tips do you have for traveling through airports with a bunch of camera gear? I think a lot of it also depends on where you're going. But to me, one of the newest uh, realizations is just doing the TSA pre-check. Uh, I know there's a global one as well, but recently I had a wedding down in Florida and I used the TSA pre-check and it was unbelievable just how much quicker it was, you know, to cut through the line. And at least here in Indianapolis, I did not have to take anything on my bags, not my mm -hmm. lenses or anything. So I think that's extremely helpful, especially, you know, when you're getting ready to fly, you're already nervous about making it there on time and you want to make sure they don't make you go back and check anything, uh, which I think a lot of people who have listened to me in the past, they know that I don't like to check any luggage at all. So I like to pack and have everything in whatever I can carry on me as much as possible. I just think that just helps to speed up the process and not have to wait for your luggage to come off the plane and all that and the possibility of losing it as well. Mm -hmm. I think that of everything, the TSA pre-check is at the top of my list right now because I don't have it yet. 
And every time I fly, which is fairly often anymore, I have to go through and I have to pull out my laptop and pull out all of my cameras because they've changed the rules to where you have to pull out electronics now. And it, and when you're looking at your tray with like your camera bodies out and like there's your laptop and you're just counting the amount of money that you're going to be separated from, it is just, ugh, it's not a good thing. So TSA PreCheck is a great tip and one that I'm hopefully going to be taking advantage of soon. Uh, Brent, what do you do with your tripod when you fly? That's always another big question is like, do you put strap it to your bag? Do you take it on as carry on? What do you do with your tripod when you fly, Brent? I only recently got a travel size tripod and so it can actually fit in my backpack or I can take a slightly larger one that just goes ahead and straps to the backpack. And so I, I go that route. When I have my bigger tripod, I have put that in checked bags, but um, those are, when I check a bag, that's usually when I'm traveling more for family or business related items and less for my own travel because when I'm out and about as well on my own I'm definitely along the lines of Brian and I just really do not like having to check a bag and so I'll just strap it to my backpack but I'm also the kind I don't want to have a tripod that is a big behemoth of a tripod Uh, you know some of those whether it's Gitsu or Really Right Stuff or Enduro, they make some really fantastically awesome tripods and they're just huge. And I've seen you and some others, you know, you have it strapped to your backpack and the like. And that works, but for me, I just want something a little smaller. I'm going to go with a medium-sized tripod myself. And so it just fits a little better and, and a little more convenient. Yeah, I travel with my biggest tripod generally. But there's plenty of times when I regret that decision, like when I'm standing in line for an airline with like a 50 pound backpack, it gets old after a while. It does, yes. And in those situations, a travel tripod would be really nice. I just haven't. I haven't. I I always worry that like I'm going to get there and it's going to be some extraordinary situation. Like I'm shooting in 70 mile an hour winds. Right. And I need my big tripod for that. (laughs) Well, in one time I pulled my bag out of the overhead compartment and it kind of slipped a little bit. I still had the strap over my shoulder, but it fell for a good, I don't know, 18 to 20 inches before it connected with someone's forehead. (laughs) And it hurts them like crazy. And I felt so bad. And it's just like, you know, I need a smaller I need something smaller to to mm-hmm. not number one and maybe you won't hurt so bad, but it's maybe easier for me to control as well. And, and I mean, that was a while ago, but still, it's just something that's in my mind. I just like, I don't like beating up people in the plane. So I'm going to try and go with a smaller one myself and see what right. I can do. And some people are kind of surprised that they even let you take a tripod on as carry yeah. on, but yeah. they do. Most airlines do, I should say. And in the smaller domestic flights, It's kind of pushing it to get a large tripod. Like I have my three series really right stuff tripod mounted to the side of my bag, uh, which is an F-stop Anja bag. And when I put it on the overhead and put it, you know, sideways in there, the the door will just barely fit. I usually have to apply a fair bit of force to that door to make sure that it clicks. And there has been one time when I made the mistake of putting just like a windbreaker on the pocket on the opposite side of the bag. And in that situation, it did not fit. Mm, And we had (laughs) and we had to like take the tripod off and put it somewhere else. And they were nice enough to like just stick it in the overhead somewhere else. So I had two overhead things. But in most cases, as long as you don't have a big giant tripod, it will fit in those smaller domestic flights. Uh, Brian and I kind of have a funny story together where we were traveling to China and we get, we get up to the the check counter where we're getting our tickets and checking our luggage and they decided to weigh every bag that we had and even the even the little backpacks that we had on us 
Yeah, and they added they added our carry ons together. It wasn't like separately. It was like you mm. you have like what was it twenty five pounds all together, which we were both over. And so that leaves us in the situation where we had to like panic and like take some of the heavy stuff out of our carry on and shove it into our checked bag. And I know that like I threw at least one lens into my checked luggage. I don't, what did you do in that situation, Brian? What I shouldn't have done is I shouldn't have come up to the counter with you in the first place because (laughs) no, I'm serious. And, and that was like the first time I've ever done that because usually my tickets already printed off ahead of time where I have it on my phone and I just don't even have to go to the counters. I go straight to the line for security and, and just go through. But I came up there with you and I had my bags on and I even told her, I said, oh, that's okay. I'm not checking them. And she said, well, we need to weigh them anyways. And I'm like, but why? I'm carrying them on. And she's like, well, because of the weight limit and all that. And so I started sweating and freaking out. So I weighed my bags and she's like, I'm sorry, that's too, that's too heavy. You can't take that on. So after I freaked out a little bit, and I'm like, well, what am I going to do? Luckily, you had that huge bag. So mm-hmm. I ended up taking out my tripod, I think was one of the things. And just a few other like heavy things that were not camera related. And just we just put it in your big bag that we checked. But yeah. that was my first mistake. And that's why I never go to that line because... There, there was no reason for them to say that because my, my weights all kind of evened out. Yes, one bag was heavier, but my other bag wasn't. And so that just, yeah, that's what I did. And traveling with Brian is always an eye-opening experience for me because somehow you are able to travel so amazingly light. Like, I don't even know where you put your clothes because <laughs> you take like... Two bags. I don't bring clothes. And, yeah, exactly. You just he's Brian, the naked photographer, and <laughs> and I assume you're the same way, Brent, where you travel with an amazingly uh, light setup. If you're going yes. on a trip, Brent, like how many shirts? What kind of like clothing are you taking on these trips? I go for probably two, maybe three shirts. I figure I can buy a shirt when I'm over there, wherever I'm going, uh, and then I'll do a pair of shorts and a pair of zip-off pants. And then the necessary unmentionables, and that's pretty much it. Wow. So you're you're getting everything down to your camera bag and then like a smaller carry-on luggage? Yeah. So basically, it's a I would go with the equivalent of a shoulder bag for the camera gear and a small day pack for everything else. And that's it. And I think Brian, he probably travels with more camera gear than I do because I limit myself to one body and three lenses and that's it and never will bring along jeans those are just way too bulky uh so whatever i bring along is definitely travel oriented the nice thin fabrics and dry super quick and all that good stuff of course this is all assuming that you're going to a fairly warm place yes (laughs) so when you have something a little extra like this last uh, september i went to croatia which at that time of year is not really warm but it's also not very cold so i also brought along a light jacket and one long sleeve shirt wow that's pretty light brian i've watched you do laundry in the sink many times so i I know you (laughs) pack light what kind of clothing are you taking and like how are you getting by with so little the way I see it is, as far as, you know, Brent mentioned, I, have, I usually bring more gear. And that's usually true because most of the trips I'm being paid for to where I want to make sure I have two camera bodies with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my lenses are usually just the typical three, you know, 16 to 35, 24, 70, and 70 to 200, uh, unless I'm bringing something different for fun. But that's usually it as far as gear with my tripod, also like you attached to the outside. But I wrap up 
or I use my clothing inside the camera bag to kind of cushion things. Uh, my lenses usually will go inside my socks or wrap it around my t-shirt uh, and I just squeeze stuff in there. But usually, and, and I think you referred to this on an earlier show, I usually will have maybe two pants and they usually zip off at the knees. So that's where they, that way they could also be shorts if I need three pairs of socks, you know, three pairs of underwear and maybe two t-shirts depending on what I need, because I do usually wash one thing at night, leave it hanging up. And it's usually the wick quick drying clothes mm-hmm. to wear in the morning. It's usually dry. If it's not, I usually go out and shoot that day, come back and then it's dry by then. And like you said, I, I believe to quote you is that I smelled like flowers. <laughs> I don't know if it was flowers. It was I more think like you said, I think you said flowers, though. It was like two episodes ago. I think you said flowers. I think it was more like ivory hand soap. <laughs> that does sound more, man. <laughs> I, yeah. don't, I don't know in China if their soap was ivory, but yeah, I don't bring soap. You know, I use whatever soap comes there. Uh, I know some people might shower with their clothes on, which to me that's kind of gross. Um, yeah. I, I don't shower with my clothes on, no, no, no. but you you wash them in the sink. I say, why spend all that time washing them in the sink when you can just put them at your feet? That's true, I guess. Except well, all that nasty stuff that's coming off your body oh, is now. Eh. There's eh. soap involved too. And I mean, Man. there's times where you look at the water afterwards and it's brown and nasty. And then usually okay. the last the last few days of my trip, I will start to throw away one or two pairs of socks. Just because yeah. those seem to never get really clean. But here's a challenge I had. My last uh, trip a couple months ago, I had, a, I had a wedding in Sweden. I wanted to go to Norway first to do the big hike up to Trotunga. And there's a, this was the first time I've had like two conflicting types of photography all in one trip. Because I had to have appropriate wedding attire. But you can't hike in nice dress, you know, slacks and dress shoes and all that. <laughs> So that was a little bit of a struggle for me, but I, I managed, it all worked out. But one thing I did consider doing ahead of time, but I didn't have enough time was I was going to mail my shoes and my dress pants to this bride. So that way my clothes would already be there. And she was all cool with it. She's like, yeah, why don't you mail it to me and we'll have it. The problem is I waited till like a week before and it was going to be like 75 bucks. I'm like, I'm not paying $75 to mail this. So I managed to shove it in and I did have a jacket with a lot of pockets and so sometimes I'll just use those pockets to carry some of the heavier gear. So that way it's not in a bag to where if they weigh my bag, you know, that's one thing. But if they weigh my jacket, it actually probably weighs more than my bag. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys make me feel like I was such a prima donna because I travel with like such a large suitcase. Usually it's because I'm always going to cold climates. I feel like not only cold climates, but wet climates where I'm going to be out standing in water and getting soaking wet. And there's nothing more miserable than not having dry clothes to change into. So for that reason, I tend to pack more clothes than you guys do. But also because I'm packing like stuff like first aid kits and projectors and stuff for leading workshops because that, that's hard to travel with. That definitely makes a huge difference. If I were to go along that line, I would definitely have to upgrade my bag and go with something bigger because you just have those things that are necessary to take along with you for sure. For me, it's really an ideal. If I'm going to someplace that's not too cold, I'm just going to always do the minimal amount I can just because quite frankly, once I'm there, it's so annoying to have all that extra stuff anyway. 
Yeah. Because it's just extra stuff to take care of. And as soon as you get into that room, your bat explodes with, you know, oh, where's my this? Where's my that? And suddenly you've got 15 socks everywhere. You know, why do that? Just take three socks and three pair of socks and be done with it and, you know, wash (laughs) them along the way. And smell like roses by the end of your trip. I will will say, though, that Brian, with his fewer amount of clothes, smelled better than I did by the end of the China (laughs) trip. Because I made the mistake of wearing cotton stuff mm. rather than quick drying fabric. So your clothes didn't reek, but mine were like unsavable by the end of China where it was really humid and there was so much smog in the air and it felt like that just soaked into your clothes and then you yep. sweat in it and it was so gross. Yeah. China was a very smelly trip. The other problem with that though was we had to put your clothes outside because it was so stinky. <laughs> like it smelled yeah. so bad. We had to put your, I think it was your boots or oh, Oh and close outside, but the humidity was so horrible that it wasn't drying outside. <laughs> yeah, there was no way to dry your clothes, and the only type of fabric that could possibly dry in China were, was what you took. The problem with the the quick drying wicking type fabrics is that you know, as a bigger guy, it's very like thin material. Yes. So when I wear it, I just feel like I need to wear a bra or something <laughs> <laughs> because it's so revealing. You, you know, people can see every undulation of your man body and it's not, it's just not a very flattering look as a big guy. But I guess, I guess there wasn't a lot of people that knew me in China, so I should have just done that. Well, I think another issue, Nick, is that. You carry these big bags, but yet you tend to forget your deodorant. Oh, whatever. That Didn't would... we have to buy you deodorant? Oh, yeah, we did, huh? Well, well, what? Yeah, like in the I airport think... or something. I thought we had to go and like buy you deodorant. Yeah. Or maybe that was when you came out when you came out here. When you came here, the college yeah. game, I think you had to like borrow my deodorant or something. And I'm like, oh, Nick. <laughs> I think there's been multiple times that I've had to like, no. Brian, Brian, can maybe I borrow your deodorant? <laughs> maybe that's why you stink. Maybe it's not the cottage. <laughs> it's your deodorant. We're totally going to edit this out, Brian. Thanks no, a lot. No. <laughs> keep it in. Keep it in. The quotes by Brian McGuckin. Maybe that's why you stink. He's such well, a good we friend. Will, we will repeat this on the Latitude, the next Latitude episode, so that way people know it's true. <laughs> yeah, make sure you tune in so you can hear how much Nick Page stinks. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, the, you guys are so efficient in the way that you pack. It's something that I aspire to do. But it's it's very difficult when you're traveling to colder climates where you're, you know, this last time I went to Iceland, Iceland is such a, especially in the wintertime, is such a volatile climate where one day you can be shooting in a t-shirt, the next day you can be wearing three coats and still be cold mm-hmm. because there's times when the wind is just howling and, you know, you're shooting in, you know, below freezing temperatures with like 60 mile an hour wind. And because of that, like I took several coats and there's times when, you know, you, I always take on trips like that two pairs of shoes because if I get one soaking wet, I need a dry pair to wear so my feet don't become ice cubes. There are times when it's really difficult to pack like you guys do. But Brian, you've been to Iceland. Did you? What did you take with you when you went to Iceland? The same thing as usual. It just my clothing would be I wear layers more. So just knowing that it was going to be extremely cold or not knowing what to expect. I had uh, some Under Armour and then underneath or over that I had a, um, I don't know what to call it. It's kind of like an athletic long sleeve zip up that has like a turtleneck type thing on it to keep me warm. And then I had a coat that had 
a Columbia jacket that had like two layers. So really I was wearing like four or five layers. And what I also do is knowing that I'm going to go to a cold place and I don't have the space to just pack that in uh, all my camera bags. Usually what I may do is I might just wear layers on the airplane and just know that it may not be the most comfortable ride. Or when I get on the plane, I'll start <laughs> right. to take a few of the layers off and just shove them down by my feet. But seriously, yeah. you know, that's if that's what I have to do to not check luggage, I'll do it. So when you get off the, done with your flight, people are looking at you like you've got a fever because you're just pouring sweat <laughs> and you're looking all exhausted. And, well, no, that's uh, why but, I said I would take it off and just put it by my feet or something. Or, you know, you bring plastic bags and then you can just put things in those plastic bags when you get on the plane. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. They can, they can become your pillow too. <clears throat> I've also brought a pillowcase and I didn't bring a pillow because a lot of times they don't count a pillow as an extra carry-on. So uh -huh. I've had my big backpack as well as a regular um, backpack that would carry stuff. And then I'll bring a pillowcase, but inside my pillowcase would be like my jacket or I had jeans in there one time or some other clothes. And I just, you know, carry it like a, I don't know, where you just grab it to where they, it doesn't necessarily look like a pillow. But they see, oh, that's a pillowcase and it's probably just a, you know, a squished pillow. But really, I had some clothes in there. That is genius, especially on a long flight. You're going to use it like a pillow right. and that jacket's not going to be super uncomfortable. That's a genius. That's Thank I, you. I'm going to use that. Go ahead. You just walk. <laughs> okay, so you get to your location. You you arrive in your location. Well, obviously this step will be long before this, but what kinds of accommodations do you guys prefer? Like who are you going through to figure out your lodging? What kinds of tips do you have for that, Brent? When I'm traveling independently, uh, especially in Europe, I have absolutely loved what I've gotten out of Airbnb. Uh, I went to Czech Republic, Poland, and Germany in 2016, and then I went to Croatia this last September, and I used Airbnb exclusively, and it was awesome. You p usually pay a little less compared to the big hotel fees. I shouldn't say exclusively, because in Poland, I was traveling with my father, and he was like, oh, I want to do a big hotel. I was like, really? <laughs> so he spent money on a hotel, but everything I did was Airbnb. Uh, but you'll pay a, l a lot less, and you get to know, potentially, you get to know some of the uh the hosts and it's just fantastic i i have always had a good experience with airbnb and i haven't actually used airbnb i typically stay in hotels but is that a fairly good way of saving money as well i think so when i was in um when i was in poland we had just finished uh our little walkthrough of the auschwitz uh concentration camp and we still hadn't had accommodation plans and we were looking around at hotels and whatnot and it was just Everyone was full and everyone was expensive. And I was like, ah, screw it. I'm going to check Airbnb. So I got on my phone and checked Airbnb and I found something in like five minutes and it was half the cost. So uh, we got about a thousand square foot apartment for 50 bucks a night. Oh, wow. That's a sweet deal. Yeah, it was awesome. <clears throat> and it was right on the bus line. We were like 10 minutes outside of the, the downtown core in Krakow. It was it was excellent. And they almost, you can also put a little filter on there, you know, for the different amenities that you definitely want. So at that time I was renting a car, so I definitely needed parking. So that was one of the filters that I was like, you know, only show me places that have parking and the like. So it's very convenient and I definitely recommend it. What about you, Brian? Do you use Airbnb? Uh, I've used it before when I'm traveling here in the United States. Uh, when I've gone to other countries, a lot of times I've just, you know, been on the typical like kayak trip, trip advisor or booking.com. Mm -hmm. There was a season for a couple of years. I did some work for Expedia. And so one of the jobs was to go down and hit some countries in Central America as well as in South America. And I didn't have a lot of time 
because I needed to get back for a wedding that I had here in the States. And so I basically, I had 26 flights in 25 days. So more, more flights than time there. So I needed my, my locations were extremely important. I needed to be in the center of where everything was that I had to photograph for that job. And being that it was in some countries I wasn't as familiar with and knowing that I was getting paid for these jobs, uh, I did want to make sure that I was in something I felt a little bit more safe in for myself, which was some type of hotel, usually close to where I needed to be. Mm-hmm. I've always used Hotels.com uh, to do my booking. And the reason for that is I get t- every 10th night free, which they probably is probably I'm probably not money ahead because they probably just mark stuff up to where sure. it averages out. Um, but it's kind of nice when I do a workshop and I, you know, book all those hotel rooms. And then at the end of my workshop, yeah, I've got like six or seven nights free. That's nice. kind of nice. But mm. I probably spent more for all of those nights. So I doubt that my way is the best way. Well, it, I've found booking.com as well. They must be basically the same company because they have the same kind of idea. But when I'm looking for more than just me uh, and I need to do a group idea, Booking.com is really convenient because you can just plug in all the parameters of the mm-hmm. size of your group, how many rooms you need, and they show you a, a really good, really good offering. As far as saving money, I'm not sure that's something that is a discounter or anything like that. It's just it really helps you. It does help you find the best deal, though. Both of you guys are actually teachers. You have day jobs that you're working around, so that doesn't give you a lot of flexibility in when you go on your trips. So when you're booking flights for your trips. Uh, Brent, who do you go through or or where do you find the best deal on flights? So it depends on where I'm flying to. If I'm flying anywhere in the U.S., Alaska Airlines is the only one that serves my airport that I fly out of. And we have three <clears> flights <throat> a day to Seattle and that's it. So I'm pretty limited uh, there. Uh, but if I'm looking elsewhere and I really maybe I have like this last summer, I did uh, a really weird thing. Um, where I use my air miles to get down to uh, Los Angeles. So that cost me six and a half dollars to get to Los Angeles, but I also <laughs> used air miles. Um, I then took this new airline called Level. So it's flylevel.com. And they've actually expanded now. I have up on my screen right now. Uh, if I were to fly to Boston, let's say, uh, and I wanted to fly from Boston to Barcelona, it would cost me 167 euros each way. So oh, wow. it would cost me three times more just to get to Boston than flying this airline. So I did take level from Los Angeles over to Barcelona. And then I took their took their um, their cheap airline called Vueling from Barcelona over to Croatia. And that was like fifty dollars uh, from Barcelona all the way across over over Italy and then landing in uh, Croatia. That was awesome. <clears throat> so, I've never done one of these kind of budget airlines like, you know, Wow is another one. Mm-hmm, yep. Uh, what was your experience like on on that airline? So on on level, it's interesting because the 167 euros that gets you one cabin bag and you're otherwise treated like cattle. You go in, you sit (laughs) and you're told to behave, so to speak. No, I'm I'm obviously going a little. They're very nice and they're very congenial. Uh, I decided to go ahead and um, upgrade my ticket. At that time, it was only $17 to allow me to choose which seat I was going to be sitting in. Uh, otherwise you don't get to choose which seat they just, you know, I don't know if it's first come first serve or if they assign you right there when you, when you get on or what the deal is. Uh, but there's no checked bag with that. You only get what they call one cabin bag. And initially I was concerned about that because I was like, 
well, I'm going to have two bags, you know, I was wondering, is this more like the U.S. where we we allow one bag and one personal item? And that's the case. One cabin bag is you get one uh, check on size bag and then you have one personal item like a computer bag. And so I was totally fine with that. And then a meal is extra. So, you know, everything extra you're having to pay for with that rate. So even if you wanted a drink, you'd have to pay for your drinks and whatnot. But the prices weren't terrible. They were gouging you a little bit. But, you know, the prices weren't terrible. It was like three dollars for a Pepsi. And I've seen that at, you know, amusement parks and whatnot. So it's not like they're charging you six dollars for a Pepsi. But otherwise, it was very, you know, everything else was normal. Their everything, you know, the other seat was normal. Everything else was just normal. It's just it's a really cheap flight. And that was kind of nice. Interesting. I know like when I've uh, led my Iceland workshops, I typically either do Iceland Air or there was one time I did Delta and they're actually super nice airlines. And I got there and then one of my participants took a wow flight and they got Mm. off the airline and they just looked like they'd been worked over because they were uncomfortable, charged you for absolutely everything. And they had a very bad experience with wow. They said wow when they got off then, huh? Yeah, that wow, right. that wow. was bad. <laughs> what was <laughs> that? that? Was, yeah. Brian, where do you and, typically buy your flights? I'm boring. I tend to just go to kayak and start there and see what comes up. Um, I've used Just Fly before. Sometimes if I had uh, some flyer mileage with my credit card, I've just gone through that and done it. But I haven't taken the time to kind of master that and I should. So I usually just start with mm-hmm. kayak. As far as tips for things to like when you're picking your tickets, like they're obviously things like layover times are super important. When you first start shopping for tickets, sometimes you overlook some of those really important details, mm-hmm. like the length of your layover time. I know when I came back from China, I had a 13 hour layover in Korea. Mm. I'll never do that again. That was awful. Oh. That was really. I, I remember that because I, I was I like, hey, I'm home, Nick. Where are you? And you're like, I'm in I'm in North Korea or wherever <laughs> you are. Korea. <laughs> I remember that. I, I did. I did that once in Hong Kong and. And it had a 14 hour layover and we just left the airport and went on a day trip and it was awesome. Yeah. I just, was, I didn't feel comfortable doing that with all my luggage and like, well, yeah. and I'm in Korea. Like, what am Korea, I going to, yeah. yeah, I don't know what I was going to do there. I, I saw Man. out the window and I was like, nah, I don't, I'm not really interested. I think I'm just going to sleep through this as much as I can. And also, you know, just as important, if not even more important is watch out for those layovers that are not quite long enough. Like I make sure that your layovers are more than a half hour. An hour is typically a good number for me to shoot for, especially if you're in the winter months. Like uh, in my area, we have small little airports and the small airports are always the ones that flights are canceled at because the, you know, they're just low on the totem pole of importance. Um, so if I'm flying during the winter months, I make sure that my layovers are a little bit longer. And so if my flight is, you know, a half hour late landing, I'm not going to miss my connection. Like happened to me on, on my flight to Kauai this last time, because it really sucks to land and run to your gate and just watch your airplane just slowly take off. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) There's nothing worse than that. And that comes from not having a long enough layover. So make sure that your layovers are at least an hour, maybe longer in the winter months. Also make sure that you check in ahead of time before you go to the airport. When, when I was in El Salvador, uh, I got to the airport and there was a friend who was traveling with me. We got there early. There was hardly anybody in the airport. It was kind of a small one. And we go to check in and they're like, I'm sorry, the flight's full. What do you mean? And they're like, everyone's checked in. 
and I'm looking around. I'm like, there's nobody here. And they're like, well, we have one seat available. I said, but you know, we've got our tickets and we're here to check in. And they're like, did you check in before you came? We said, no, like, I'm sorry, you should have done that. Everybody else for the whole flight Mm -hmm. had already checked in. They only had one seat available. And so we ended up having to stick around and wait for the next flight. So make sure that no matter what country you're in, that you also check in ahead of time to make sure that you get your seat. Yeah, most airlines allow you to start checking in 24 hours ahead of time. And what I like to do is maybe not do it 24 hours, but like, you know, seven hours before a flight or something. And the reason for that is because at that time, a lot of people have checked in, but not everybody. And sometimes you can reselect your seats. So you can take a look at what seats are available. And sometimes you can get lucky and be like, oh, there's three open in this row. I'm going to pick that one. And hopefully I'll end up with an empty seat next to me because there's a big guy that that makes my day when I have a gap next to me and I don't have to sit there and cuddle with some other big guy. When I ha- get a middle row, I'm always sitting next to two other big guys. And it's just, it's like <laughs> people do this on purpose somehow. One other airline I could like to suggest is Condor and they're out of Germany and I have also flown them. They're kind of along the lines of level, but slightly more expensive and uh, they're a good option to look at too. Very cool. Obviously, when you're traveling to interesting, exotic places, are you guys adventurous with how you eat or are you conservative with how you eat? Brian, I'm more conservative. Okay. That's probably the wise choice. What about you, Brian? <laughs> I tend to be conservative just knowing that if this is a paid job and I've got to get something done on the time frame and I've got to go to another country after, and I want to make sure that I'm okay. I did have one experience that wasn't great where I was uh, going to Europe and had a bunch I had to shoot over there and I landed and had a great time in Munich and met some people uh, that lived in Sweden and we just, we stayed up too late. And the <laughs> next morning I didn't do it. <laughs> you're chuckling. I didn't do anything wrong, but the next morning I'm on my train ride to go to Austria and it was the worst train ride ever. I was sick and spent a lot of time in the bathroom and I just was I'm like, what was it? You know, I just had what their hot dog and, and maybe a dark <laughs> brewski and, and I just was sick. <laughs> so I think the rest of that trip, I made sure that I was, I was okay. I will always remember when we were in China and we were staying at this one particular hotel that was right next to the long G rice terraces. Mm. And we had a wonderful meal the night before. And then we went out and we were shooting shooting in the rice terraces and we came back and they were washing the dishes that we had ate off in the alley in a little Mm. like plastic swimming pool (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) with like the water that was just kind of flowing out of this mysterious pipe that was trickling down the (laughs) steps there was water trickling down the steps and then we also saw on there or i also saw noodles were sitting in it and it was in a different (laughs) container but it was sitting out there in the steps they had noodles just sitting in the water i'm like huh i hope those aren't noodles that we're going to be eating right and the that night i started feeling ill but i think it was mostly just in my head because i at that point i realized the how not sanitary we were eating and i Mm -hmm. think it just got in my head and i imagined 
and I was sick. I didn't feel great, but it was amazing to me that none of us got sick on that trip that I can mm-hmm. remember. I don't think anybody got sick, um, but they were having to, we had uh, Andy and Mia Beals were our kind of our guides and they were calling ahead at all of the different restaurants we were going to eat at saying, hey, we've got a bunch of Americans coming. Can we take the, the dog and the horse off the menu <laughs> and the rat? <laughs> because... I mean, it's a totally legit, totally legit thing in some of these rural places of China where they're just eating rat and cats and dogs and any any animal that they can get their hands on. They eat. It's pretty or crazy. Guinea pig when, in Peru. When, oh. I was with a friend and we're like, okay, let's try something. <laughs> and he has traveled to fifty plus countries. And I'm like, okay, are you sure we can trust these places? And he's like, yeah, it'll be fine. And and so we go to a restaurant and I ordered alpaca which was delicious, by the way. He ordered guinea pig, and it comes out looking like a guinea pig with its leg and everything. And I tasted it. It it was like a slimy chicken. And I'm just like, okay, I think that eating that would not be good for my stomach. So I I went with something kind of just plain and they had it was great. The alpaca was really good. Slimy chicken. That's that's a great sounding dish. Mm-hmm. After spending a weekend myself in an Indian hospital, I, <laughs> I've gone way conservative. Uh, I ate something in the city of Shimla, kind of like Brian, you were saying you were on the train and you were visiting the bathroom while in India. I don't know if anyone else listening has been to a, on a train in India, but the toilet is a solid it's just a hole straight to the tracks. And and so you see the tracks rushing beneath you as as you're doing your business. And it was terrible. I had the worst gut something going on. It was absolutely terrible. I ended the the people I was with, they're like, We know of a Western oriented hospital and we will take you there. And I was like, Okay, you know, barely with it. So I spent the weekend there and I had every test done to me under the sun, it seemed like. Uh, I think they were like, hey, cash cow. And the, the guy is asking me and he brings his students in and everything is you know, just like, whatever. I was so out of it. After that, I was just like, nope, you know, it has to be packaged. It has to be bottled water. It has to be, you know, I'm really strict. I'm also a vegetarian. So all of that stuff you guys are talking about is kind of like, oh, that's not me. So <laughs> slimy uh, chicken, I, not on Brian's menu. <laughs> no, sir. So I'm one who goes conservative and uh, in those lines, I would love to be able to be adventurous, but that's one area I've even gotten sick here at home in the U.S. when I'm traveling. And I just ever since I've really tightened up on that, I've been just fine. Things that you wouldn't think of because you think, oh, I'm going to eat a salad, totally, you know, yes. a salad. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that, but you probably didn't There's think that, tons that, wrong with that it's rinsed off <laughs> in water that may yeah. not be, you know, water yeah. that you would want right. to consume. So something that. It sounds like healthy, like a salad can actually make you sick. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing. It's pretty much the worst case scenario to end up in that situation where you're on this trip and you have to be here by a certain time and then you just get like deathly ill. That is everybody's worst nightmare. So eating conservative is worth it. If you are going to eat adventurous, I would say do it on the last day because at least you're going to be going home soon. (laughs) They got it. Although being that way on an airplane would not be good either. But mm-hmm. there, there's I, that. I've been there too. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> it's not cool. Yeah, no wonder but, you yeah. eat conservative now. You've had some oh, bad experiences. Yeah, that was bad. And then when we landed, because it was a flight from uh, Arizona or New Mexico, somewhere in there, to Denver, and we landed. It was such a long ambulance ride to the hospital because they're all like, "Oh, we have to take you." I'm like, "No, I just need time." And they're like, "No," and so uh, the airports was way out of town, and. Uh, 
yeah, it was just a bad situation. So Ugh. not don't look forward to doing that any again. That's awful. So yeah, eat conservative kids because it's yeah. just not worth the ramifications if you don't. But wait, maybe it's the opposite. Maybe he's getting sick because he's a vegetarian and he doesn't put these meats oh, and things in is, your oh, yeah. it. You need to work on your immune system, there Brent. You go. There, Get oh, those okay. germs Maybe in I'm you. too delicate. Exactly. You need yeah. some. Exactly. You know what you need? You need some slimy chicken. Slimy, That's no, what you need. Slimy guinea pig. <laughs> oh. Slimy guinea pig. <laughs> that, that tastes like slimy chicken. Yes. By the way, yes. I ate alligator when I was in New Orleans, oh. and it was actually quite good. It was like better than the other meat. <laughs> it was good. It was <laughs> It was like it an was alligator sausage, was, wasn't it? Or something? That's what it looked yep, like. It was an uh, alligator sausage dog, and it, it was probably the best sausage I've ever had. So, wow. you know, alligators don't have a soul, so I didn't feel bad about that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you guys for coming on. Where can people find out more about workshops and the podcast and everything else? What do you got coming up, Brent? I have two workshops coming up. The one I'm uh, wanting to really mention here is the one to Croatia. And you can find me at brentbergherm.com. And then you'll click on the uh, travel with me uh, button that's up on the top. And you'll read all about the two workshops I have there. But I'm looking to, to take people to Ireland and Croatia and uh, just beautiful places to shoot, and I hope we can I hope we can uh, take a couple people there. I'm limiting it to six people uh, per trip, so I think it'll be a nice, uh, cozy trip, if you want to call it that. Uh, I've been to both places and looking forward to getting back and shooting with some people. Very cool. What do you got coming up, Brian? Uh, I've got a workshop here locally, but uh, you and I are working on something on the side as well, mm-hmm. so looking forward to sharing more about that later. Uh, otherwise, you can find out more about uh, Brent and I or listen to more of our gibberish over at the Latitude Travel Photography Podcast with Improved Photography. Uh, you can see some of my work on Instagram. It's at Brian McGuckin uh, and yeah, so that, that's about it for now. Very cool. Make sure you check out their podcast that's over on the Improved Photography Network. And thanks for coming on. We'll see you guys later. Bye-bye. <laughs> I love those awkward goodbyes. Um, <laughs> bye. <laughs>